Hello, my name is Sebastián Castro Nicolescu, and I will be having a conversation with Eli Bodium for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It is June 29th, 2018, and this is being recorded at the New York Public Library offices. Hi, Eli. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Doing well, yes. Um, so I guess to get started, um, I'm just interested to know what brought you to the Oral History Project and what your interest was in getting interviewed and potentially doing interviews yourself. Right. So I first heard about the project because my friend Elroy Red, who did an interview, yes. who I work with, or I did work with, she doesn't work with me anymore, unfortunately, but um, uh, uh, she was involved in the project. She did an interview. She invited me to this panel at yeah. the Brooklyn Museum the first Saturday mm -hmm. of, like, the beginning of Pride Month 2018. Yeah. Um, and I went, and I all I really knew was that it you know, self-explanatory title, Trans Oral History Project, you know, I'm like, I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Great. And that she was going to be on the panel and uh, maybe possibly performing. Um, so I went and it was just, it, it was really inspiring. It, like, um, you know, I'm definitely extremely interested in how trans people sharing our stories and sharing with each other affects ourselves and each other and like um so yeah it just really resonated with me a lot yeah okay yeah that's really exciting um so to get started uh where are you from well i was born in orlando florida okay. um but, and I have, like, a few earliest, like, are these my earliest memories, or am <laughs> I, like, pretend, am I, did my brain, like, invent them? But I grew up in Long Island, New York. Okay. Yes. Um, any specific town? Yeah, I grew up in Dix Hills. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The rolling hills of Dix. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I grew up in Dix Hills, which is, like, right on the county line of Suffolk and Nassau County, if that means anything. Okay. Anyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so what was it like growing up there? <laughs> God, what was it like growing up there? It was there. So the place where I'm from, um, I'm Jewish. I'm ethnically Jewish. And mm -hmm. also this is, there's air quotes happening. <laughs> yeah. Air quotes, Jewish. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, it's a very Jewish area. It's a very Italian area. Um, it Long Island is interesting. I mean, it's like this everywhere, but there's a lot of disparity between like class, mm -hmm. and so um, my neighborhood was like very, very white, and but had a lot of disparity between you know, people who were living in these, like, giant McMansions and then people who were living kind of in, like, very overgrown properties and, like, mm. um, yeah, so just kind of, like, that 
scale between like the middle class and then the lower middle class, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time of your birth, what were your parents doing to support themselves? So my dad was in, we were in Florida because my dad was at the University of Miami getting his law degree. And my mom at the time, I'm the second of four. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my mom was not working. She was a full-time, full-time raising us. But my mom has worked for like 30 years on and off as a delivery nurse. But I think at the time, yeah, she was a full-time parent. Mm -hmm. Um, and did those, how did those kind of like affect your upbringing? Um, well, my dad, that's a whole, (laughs) that's a whole saga. I don't know if it's necessarily (laughs) like relevant. Uh, I'll say he's in jail now (laughs) and don't feel bad about that. Feel bad about that. He's getting out of jail (laughs) soon. Um, my how I, you know, their occupations, I don't really know that they affected me so much. My parents, my dad is from Long Island, grew up there, and my mom is from Western New York, which mm-hmm. is, like, um, it's interesting because my dad is from Long Island, which is, like, and kind of from this place that you people expect to be more liberal, and my mom is, grew up on a farm in Western New York, mm-hmm. um, very small like very very conservative and just like no room for anything and really my mom is the one who is like a, I don't know what to say even like a good person <laughs> like um she, you know my mom um because also I so I'm not the only trans child in my family my little sister Julie is trans as well um and my mom is the one but you know what really at the time growing up um it was not a supportive situation for me as like a trans queer child Mm -hmm. um so what was the question (laughs) (laughs) um it was just kind of like about your parents occupations and how that factored into growing up but sure not um, a lot okay um and so maybe we can talk a bit more about like the environment that you grew up in and having a like another trans sibling sure i mean i julie is a lot younger than the rest of us okay. she's the youngest mm-hmm. um so by the time that she was really like becoming a person i was already out of the house mm-hmm. so it's funny like we have really Uh, not like disparate because they both kind of mirror each other now that we can look back on it Mm -hmm. but um we did not have that like connection or bond when we were growing up okay yeah um yeah and so maybe if you could talk a bit more about like your personal experience um in your family environment outside of just like you and Julie? Yeah, uh, lonely, <laughs> in a word, very lonely. I was a very lonely child. I, uh, I guess, and kind of like the package, like this is like how I think of my own narrative. You yeah. know, I, I 
when you're a kid and you're not so much worried about like labels or like who you are, you just do what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I was a trans child and like I was doing what I was doing and it was very much not accepted at all. Okay. Um, and so I like, you know, put it away. I mean, I didn't put it away because it was still there, but I, like, learned, like, what not to express. Um, And it, I think, I I think that really that, like, led to how, like, in my own head and, like, lonely and, like, basically, like, desperately terrified (laughs) and just, like, so disengaged from life and like from my own body for for year like until I would say from when I was like in elementary school until college yeah um and uh that's definitely partially why like you know this project and things are so interesting to me because like I wonder a lot like if I had had like, one person, you know, who I could, like, have connected with, who was, like, here's maybe why you feel this way, or here, like, these feelings are okay, Mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, I wonder how that would have changed my life, or changes other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Um, so you mentioned really not having a person, like, growing up. Yeah. Um, that could, like, show you what what being trans is um but were there other spaces where you maybe started to encounter that early on maybe in pop culture or anything we i didn't really encounter like transness in pop culture Mm -hmm. really what i kind of so like you know i start you go start going through puberty and you're like who am i what's happening like i don't connect with this i don't connect with that like Mm -hmm. i don't understand why i feel so like dissonant and kind of alone Mm -hmm. in regards to just like identity and gender and so i'm like something is up (laughs) like i i don't know exactly what but like there's something up here and so like for me kind of like the pop culture or like the the popular possibility was like like gay like yeah. you're gay so I'm like okay I must be gay <laughs> like because there's something going on and also like yes I'm starting to feel attracted to people and like I feel attracted to women and like um so I started connecting with people over that like started connecting with other young people who like had like gay or bisexual identities and um that was like one of the few places but I have to admit that I still never really felt like it was like I was still deeply confused like through that um uh and maybe what were those spaces like um you know they were good I so when I was in middle school I 
I, do they still have GSAs? They must call them something else now, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, like the gay straight alliance is like not exactly. If I'd never heard that before, and someone was like, "Hey, do you want to join the gay straight alliance?" I'd be like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> I did, and this must have been okay. So I was born in nineteen ninety. I must have been in middle school, like eighth grade. Mm-hmm. How old are you in eighth grade? Um, You're like 10 in fifth grade, right? Yeah. So you must be 13. Okay, so when I was 13, it was 2003. Mm -hmm. I, with my friend Deborah, co-founded our school's GSA with like, you know, we didn't have one and we went to the school psychiatrists at the time and we were like, we want to start a GSA. Mm -hmm. And so they volunteered to be like the stute the like whatever overseers of that and um that was that that was the first I I don't want to like give it the label queer space Mm -hmm. I mean that's those are you know that's like the the my safe space is my places that I consider my trans spaces my queer spaces that was like the first safe space that I ever had um and so that you know, that was good. I mean, I now, like, remembering it, I remember, like, it was good to connect and just, like, talk about any kind of feelings, especially, like, related to, like, gender and sexuality, which I never really got to talk about otherwise Mm. with people. But I do remember that, although well-intentioned, that the, like, the school psychiatrists were not really the best. Mm. Like, I had the feeling that they were, like, trying to, like, perform therapy on us while we were just trying to have, like, a safe space to, like, be queer. <laughs> and, like, which mm. is, like, problematic. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> um, so there was that. Um, but really, other than that, it was just, like, meeting people whatever through various like other schools or like you'd meet someone and you would kind of like you know it's like now except we're more commutative you would just kind of get the feeling or you would like test each other out mm-hmm. to like see like okay maybe this person is like open to this or like experiences this and then that was how I met people but I didn't have any kind of like uh stable like support network like these were just people that I would see like when I would see them (laughs) Um. okay yeah I think the GSA is interesting because it's very much kind of like specific historical it's such early 2000s like it it really is that was like my my like early 2000s like queer teenager moment (laughs) But it's interesting because I was talking to someone at the last night. There was like a interviewer training for <laughs> this project. And I was talking to someone who's like five years younger than me, who was telling me about how now, and I'm familiar with this, like now a lot of those age of trans people have like YouTubers, like mm. trans YouTubers who are like, And it just, it was just interesting to me to be like, oh, yeah, like, I didn't, 
mm-hmm. have that at that age. Like I had this and like we each have a step that's like a different thing. I mean, obviously there's more than out there than just like trans YouTubers, but like yeah. that's perhaps the kind of thing that I would have been able to see like when I was a teenager mm. if that existed. Yeah. Instead, I went to the library. (laughs) (laughs) And what would you do at the library? I would spend hours every single day, like after school, I'd go to the library and just pour through everything looking for any kind of gay or queer or trans literature that I could get my hands on. Mm -hmm. That was my hobby. Mm -hmm. And did you find anything helpful? Yes. Well, yes, I did find a lot of helpful things. I didn't. Again, most of the things that I found were, like, uh, stories about about cis people, but also stories about, like, the LGBTQIA plus community at large. I remember, uh, what were my finds? The Well of Loneliness. That was one of my first. I found that, and I was like, these exist. <laughs> like oh my god they're at the library (laughs) that was when I was like okay now I have to find everything that I can so uh I found this collection of stories called am I blue I want to ask you if you've heard of that even though you've never it's like this collection of short stories about mostly about teenagers um kind of like grappling with like sexuality and gender that one was really formative for me and uh what else was there like ask go ask annie or something (laughs) yeah you've heard of that one one? yeah yeah yeah, you remember that one that was a good one you know (laughs) i i'm just like um i unfortunately i also like through that because really a lot of the only like trans things I could find were like kind of like medical or like uh like I remember finding this book that was about this case of um an intersex person who had had like as a baby had had um like you know like uh, adults performed like genital mutilation surgery on them in an attempt to give them a life that they thought that they would want um but I remember like I was so upset and horrified by that story but it also like there was something in it that like struck it just was like yeah it's hard to explain that like it was like upsetting but also like that was like not what what I was looking for but it like hit something in my head Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know that makes me remember it at least Mm -hmm. um and like DSM stuff which you know like you're reading the DSM in middle school I was flipping through it Mm -hmm. I well once I had exhausted the downstairs of the library which was fiction young adult whatever what have you the upstairs is all the like um how you say um kind of more like scholarly texts you know it was like dictionaries like um and just like uh how what do you call that it has a name 
Um, the sign that's like the boring part <laughs> it's like upstairs for the boring part oh but the other thing about the upstairs is that no one was ever there so uh, i take all my secret gay books and bring <laughs> them to the upstairs part of the library okay. and read them there and this was a public library yes this okay. was uh the half hollow hills library in dix hills new york <laughs> okay. so if anybody wants to go there and find any of the like i've definitely touched all of the books that have anything to do with like <laughs> um gender sexuality um yeah but those were really the only things i could find on trans people and i remember also finding like magazine articles that were just incredibly like sensationalized like mm-hmm. garbage <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just like super exploitative and I was fascinated by them. Um, and I would like read them over and over again, but I don't know that that necessarily was a good thing or like a helpful thing. And I also did not understand at all, like why I was drawn to that. So maybe at what point were you able to start developing a vocabulary? around transness it took a really long time every time I ever tried to come out to anybody like once I started to like you know feel like because you know some of my earliest feelings of like really realizing that I my like gender identity didn't match my like assigned gender was just feeling like, am I a boy? Mm-hmm. Like, I f- kind of feel that way, maybe. I mean, that that's like baby me. <laughs> like, um, and I, and, like, pretty much, I think the first people that I tried to tell that to, it was just, like, sh- like rejected. I mean, I was also, I remember at that point, I was 19, and I was in a very abusive relationship, and when I told that person that that was how I was feeling, it was horrible. Um, It, like, really, like, I don't want to say backfired because I didn't do anything wrong, but it, like, really, like, disturbed the person that I told my partner at the time, and they were extremely upset and, like, retaliatory about it. Um, And... Uh, so that was the first time I ever tried to come out to anybody. (laughs) So I was like, well, let's shove that back down there again. And I mean, that, that's what happened when I was a kid too. You know, I tried to express to my parents, uh, okay. So this is also like nineties child for sure. But I, so when I was in, I guess like very early like kindergarten or elementary school my older brother sam who's three years older than me was in boy scouts and my dad was the troop leader (laughs) or he was like one of the den leaders and he called den leaders and uh we had the meetings in our basement and like i was like you know, I thought I was a Boy Scout. I was like, I'm a Boy Scout. I do everything the Boy Scouts do. That's what I am. And uh, they tolerated it because I was like, sure, this is a kid, you know, like we don't, like it's before they're like, okay, time for you to go do this now. Mm. And um, I remember like, uh, 
like, like laying on the ground, like screaming and crying because I couldn't go. <laughs> but I know it's not even that sad. It's fine. <laughs> it's just like throwing a tantrum. Mm-hmm. But like, um, because I couldn't go on camping trips with them, and then one year maybe like second or third grade when it was starting to be like okay you're too old for this now then they were like it's time to join the girl scouts and i was i was forcibly recruited (laughs) into the girl scouts and um i hated it i did not i hated it at the time girl scouts now is like super progressive but at the time it was like learn to clean And, uh, like, dress in, like, these, like, frilly socks and, like, baked brownies. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was not about that. <laughs> I did not like that. And, like, I think now there was something that really disturbed me about being in Girl Scouts. And there was something that really disturbed me about losing the ability to be in Boy Scouts. Mm. That was probably, like, my first dysphoric experience. <laughs> Which again is like the most nineties kid thing ever. It's like uh Boy Scout, Girl Scout dysphoria. Mm-hmm. Um What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> um Oh, starting to find a vocabulary for trans. Oh, right, because I tried to come out it didn't oh, so yeah. I was just as an example like and that and like I tried to express to my parents that I wanted to like do boy things and wear boy clothes and like be a boy maybe and they were just like yeah that's not gonna work out for you like you should do this we're going to like throw away your boys clothes and things like just don't do that and like I feel like that is kind of like what happened to me a lot of time, like any time I tried to be like, you know, I've shoved these feelings down for years and I'm starting to feel them again. It was just like met with some sort of like either like repressed that or like horrified. So it took a really long time for me. I'm kind of a late bloomer anyway. Um, but I, um, Yeah, I really only started to, like, understand my own trans experience and be able to, like, talk about it to myself and be able to talk about it to other people probably, like, four or five years ago. So Mm -hmm. I was 23, Mm -hmm. about 22, 23. And I feel like for the first year, all I did was cry. (laughs) Like, for, like, the first, once I, I really just kind of, it clicked for me, and I was like, I think I'm trans. I really, like, I just cry. I just would cry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I, like, was really confused, and I went back and forth a lot in terms of just, like, what my, I thought my identity might be, and, like, um, it really took a long time for me. And I think a lot of that was kind of just, like, healing past all of the, like, external and self-enforced, like, repression that I went through. Mm -hmm. Um, It took a long time. I mean, it's still taking a long time. I'm still up in it. But, like, to um, be able to, like, rationally talk to myself 
with like this vocabulary where I can like understand and kind of like process my own experience of gender and transness. Um, so like what, what happened or what was in the kind of like lexicon four or five years ago that helped you develop that just realization or I don't want to say realization, but I, oh my God, I like hate, (laughs) like, (laughs) honestly, so, pardon me, uh, I, you know, I was in a moment where kind of like trans, like trans people were really kind of having this like blow up spotlight moment it was the moment where like Caitlyn Jenner came out as being trans and that was kind of like what everyone was talking about Mm -hmm. every like just literally every single person was it was like how like last year was sexual assault and like Mm -hmm. you know like sometimes it's the weather like in that year it was Caitlyn Jenner Mm -hmm. or in that month um, it must have been like 2013, maybe, yeah. right? Um, and uh, I remember just like the way that people were just like so casually and kind of like carelessly talking about trans people and trans experience was so deeply disturbing to me. Yeah. And kind of in that like moment, in that feeling, I was, like, realized why it was so disturbing to me mm-hmm. and that it was because, like, I am trans. And, like, that it, it's before that, kind of in the years leading up to it, I sort of had this casual, like, I don't feel like a boy or a girl kind mm-hmm. of thing, but I was like, whatever, though, that's fine and normal and, like, doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean anything to me necessarily. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, I'm swallowing all of this. And like, I can't do that anymore. Um, so this, so four or five years ago, what were you, what point in your life were you at? <laughs> pretty similar point to now actually though no it was much worse (laughs) um I had I was in this place I had just broken up with the person that I was living with Hmm. and so I needed to find a new apartment um in New York in New York I've I okay I've been living in New York since 2008 okay New York, like, I grew up on Long Island, but I went to school here, and then I've just lived here since then, so we're coming up on 10 years. Okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh, no, it's great. Um, I, oh, right, okay, I was breaking up with the person I was living with, and I had to move out and mm-hmm. find a new apartment, and, uh... But they were like, it's cool, no worries, you can stay here, you know, like, while you find a new place, and I have a cat, and at the time, you know, they were like, the cat can stay until you find a new place, because I don't have anywhere to put a cat, like, mm-hmm. I can couch surf, but my cat can't, really, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, uh, my cat, 
who she's a fierce, she's a fearsome cat. She, I believe, jumped off of my roof hunting birds because she had just recently started bringing in birds that she had caught outside and she lost, she like shattered her leg. Yeah, I know. Sad. It's, she's fine. Her name's Sassy. Uh, (laughs) She shattered her leg and it needed to be amputated and... I cleaned out, like, all my savings on getting my cat and his, like, amputation, but also I was, like, moving out. Oh, my God. Also, I had just lost my job. Uh It was a bad moment. (laughs) Also, I was like, I'm trans, question mark? What's happening? Um, So that was kind of where I was at at that time. And it kind of led to an, a series of unfortunate apartment situations. Because in New York, it's never just one unfortunate. It's like yeah. a snow, rolling down the hill snowball effect of like bad living and housing situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's that's where I was at. So I was not like in a comfortable place. Yeah. Um, I was in this very like, tumultuous like I don't know what's happening to me really mm-hmm. place and uh, I kind of feel like in my personal life but also in my like trans life I've just been kind of like recovering from that year not like recovering but kind of just like moving forward mm-hmm. and like Sometimes I feel like I'm digging myself out of a hole and sometimes I'm like, no, I'm doing great. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, so that was that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So more just kind of like technically you you mentioned that you've been going to school in New York since 2008. Was that college? Yeah, I went to FIT. Oh, okay. um, For illustration. Mm -hmm. I got from 2008 to I graduated in 2012. Okay. Okay. Um, and what was, not to like prod, but what was that job that you lost or what were you doing? Oh, I, that? so at that time, I, no, no prodding at all <laughs> because I have no problem talking about it because it okay. wasn't my fault. <laughs> okay. No, I was, it was just, it was like literal downsizing like the, they're closed now the business is not doing well I was working as a millinery assistant which is like a hat making huh. assistant for this like very small but kind of like prodigious like hat maker in New York I don't know <laughs> like go figure mm-hmm. I was like you know I'm like fedoras and they have like the little fancy the little bows mm-hmm. I was sewing those bows huh. and then sewing them on the hats like eight hours a day. Wow. Yeah, it was cool. It paid well. Uh, I was the last person they hired. They were doing very poorly. They had to let me go. I was dating someone that I was living with who had a really great job. They were like, don't worry, it's fine. Mm -hmm. We broke up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that was that job. Yeah, I've done a lot of odd jobs. I'm an odd job person. I'm an artist that also has, like, a million odd jobs mm-hmm. um do you have like an artistic practice yeah still? I do I do it's I'm in this place right now where like it feels hard to talk about because it's like so like superseded by my like you know need to like pay the rent and yeah. pay bills and buy food work life 
Um, so I've pretty much, I'm with the exception of the millinery job and some like studio assisting stuff here and there, I've really been working in service since I started college. This is my second year of college. So like, um, oh, but I'm supposed to be talking about illustration and I'm talking about my like horrible service That's experience. Fine. I know. Um, yeah, I do have a practice. I just finished my first book. Um, cause, okay. So my art is all very narrative. Everything I do is very narrative based. I like narratives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I finished my whole life everyone is like, do a children's book, do a children's book. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do a children's book. I want to do my own whatever I want to do. But I gave in and made a children's book. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Which is currently in, like, development hell <laughs> right now. Um, but it exists. Yeah, I recently and in years where I'm just more hand-to-mouth than other years, which is this year uh i mostly just try to draw and paint when it makes me happy and not like really like hurt myself over the fact that i'm not like making enough or doing this or like making this whole thing um i really just try to draw and enjoy it like when i want to um so maybe thinking about this kind of like these past couple of years of your life and talking more about the kind of vocabulary, um, what was your kind of first contact or what you consider to be the first moment you had a trans community around you? Um, I... You know, it's funny because, like, a few, like they all kind of things happen at once, yeah. you know? It's always sort of, like, suddenly, like, you're there. And, like, suddenly, um, you have, like, re- I really did just suddenly have that community. I met through, so the job that I got after um, everything I have, I have through service, so I really shouldn't complain <laughs> The job that I got after I had lost that Melanie job was a job working at this cafe in Bed-Stuy called Daily Press. And that is where I met my friend Nora and my friend Ot. Like, it, you know, a lot of trans and queer and LGBT people work in service. You know, it's like it's not an ideal place for us, but for any amount of reasons I could talk about, it's a place that we're like allowed to work and exist, you know? And like, we kind of have the leeway to like express ourselves without being like either punished for it or, or, you know, like also like those are jobs that you can get, you know, without higher education, like, those are jobs that you can get, like, on this, without having to go through this, like, vetting, pro. you know, like, it's just, it's service, like, whatever, like, we work in service, um, so that was kind of, like, 
when I started to meet other people who were working in service, who were other trans people, other queer people, um, and that kind of just, like, opened up a new world for me of, like, you know, like, meeting people who who I felt seen by and who I felt like I saw them as somebody who was seen, you know, like yeah. the, the, the mirroring cycle of, of seeing and being seen. And um, that was like when I started to understand like the options that I had and the possibilities of like what I could do and like how I could be myself. Um, I'm interested in maybe talking a bit more about, like, service and how in this, like, particular moment it's a place for, like, trans people to yeah. find some kind of income, if you had more thoughts about that. Yes, I do. Um, so, like I said, like, I, f- I feel that service, although I've learned the hard way, that it, it also is an extremely, like, you can kind of, like, get away with like things that you couldn't necessarily in other settings like looking a certain way dressing a certain way speaking a certain way um so it's like an easier opportunity to get and like you know because we have new york city has like uh has to it's kind of made an initiative to make the minimum wage like congruent with the living wage Mm -hmm. it's also an opportunity to like earn a living wage and be able to and like I think also just a note on the living wage I was thinking about it the other day and like living wage doesn't mean like living well wage living wage literally just means living wage like you can live (laughs) um like you can afford rent you can afford food you can afford to go to the doctor Mm -hmm. um and yeah um but it it's like an opportunity and it's you know especially in new york where like every moment if you're not making money you're desperate because like as soon as you don't make you have you have one month like that's the ticking time bomb Mm -hmm. is that you have one month to like be able to continue to survive Um, and so, like, you know, the kind of, like, the job search here is a really desperate place, and so, like, service is kind of that easy access, like, oh, I can get that job, and, like, I don't have to, like, be scared that, like, you know, it's, like, it's, it's not that it's not discriminatory, because it is actually a very heavily discriminatory place, Mm -hmm. But just in terms of, like, because <clears throat> um, also really, like, getting that job is, it's not through the people who own the place. It's, like, through the people that work there. So it's, like, oh, I know this queer person or, like, this trans person works at this cafe. Like, you could go work with them. Mm-hmm. And, like, you have, you that's, your in and, like, you're going to be somewhere that's at least with, like, one other trans person. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that is some kind of safe environment for you. Um, but it also is, is, like, a very, I think, challenging industry also 
for trans people because you're so you're like basically on display you know you're so accessible to people and like because of the structure of the capitalist like structure of it you're kind of part of the product that people are like getting (laughs) and so and like there's zero guarantee about like how protected you are going to be by you know the people that run your business and uh so it does really open you up to a lot of harassment um and a lot of just like you know i i've never felt like it was like a dangerous experience but just like a lot of really ranging from uncomfortable to painful experiences um yeah i actually lost i like have experienced also like losing a job kind of like through that sort of like yeah i've lost a job to discrimination (laughs) pretty much in my mind i don't you know like um so yeah it's definitely like a double-edged sword it's like a way i think especially right now you know right now it's a really accessible way to survive but it also because it also really like traps you in that place because you're hand to mouth you're just surviving there's no safety net and like it's really really hard to get out of that and it's hard work i i don't think people who haven't done it or who don't do it they don't realize that like it's really hard work um it's not just like standing around and like being like grumpy and pouring coffee like it's a job (laughs) you know and like it's not it's a hard job especially depending where you work and what you're doing and like you really really don't make a lot of money you know it's still legal in new york state at this moment to pay service workers less than minimum wage hourly um so i do at the moment i do make ten dollars an hour which is not Mm -hmm minimum wage yeah um yeah um could you maybe if you're comfortable talk a bit more about the moment where you experienced losing a job to discrimination so i worked at this place i'm gonna say the name of it because honestly like fuck them (laughs) um at this place sit and wonder it's this cafe on in prospect heights on washington and st mark's avenue and I had worked there for three years, which in cafe years is, like, a really long time. In New York, cafe years is a long time. Um, I had worked there for three years. And, um, you know, I, it, like, for me, you know, a lot of being trans is a compromise. A lot of life is a compromise. I think there's a lot of compromises being made in my own identity in life um but uh one of those compromises was that I sometimes confront people you know like regardless of if somebody is like doing or saying something really just like uh, uh, not okay unacceptable I'll confront them not mm-hmm. not like you know in a way that is like not cursing and not calling them names i'll just be like hi that's a slur like Mm -hmm. hey that's really messed up please don't say that or like maybe you should think about 
like not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I very much am also like personally believe that like the barriers of being like you're at work you shouldn't be able to tell people to like stop using like hate like like (laughs) like hate speech like i don't i'm like no we're all people like i like this person can't just like you know be like using a hate speech and slurs because they're buying like a two dollar cup of coffee like i don't care (laughs) Like, that's not okay. Um, and so I, in in my former service life, and now it's different because I'm scared, <laughs> maybe. But uh, in my former service life, I would, you know, be somewhat confrontational to people. Um, now, I, we, we had, there was an employee, I say employee, really is this guy, is a super of a bunch of the buildings on the block, including our block, and he was kind of like the handyman of our business, and he was like the eyes and the ears to the owners. They had another more successful business in Fort Greene, um, that, so they weren't around a lot, and he was kind of like their, you know, they're like grounding like he was there he's an older guy he's like in his late 70s so i mentioned before when the essentially like talking about the weather was talking about sexual assault yeah um because that it's kind of like come and gone you know and, yeah. and also working in service you know you interact with hundreds of people a day you really kind of get the feel for like what people are talking about like what you know, like, you're just really up in that. Um, and so this person, this man, was coming in every morning. He would come in while we were opening. You know, it's like 6.30 a.m. Like, it's just you, your coworker, and this person. And he'd come in and start talking shit and being like, you know, like, these women, like, they're lying, they're liars, like, they're doing this for attention, like, it's such a shame that, like, these men are losing their jobs and their, like, power, and just being, like, yeah, they're basically just lying, I think he, like, said the words lying bitches, um, and I, you know, it was going on for, weeks <laughs> I just I was like walk away like I ignore it like if you engage with this person it's going to turn into something really bad because also this is a person this is a man who like cannot at all stand to feel like people he sees as women which is the way to include myself in that yeah. um have any kind like he's just like I'm dominant I'm dominant over you if you do anything that Mm -hmm. challenges my power like I will like destroy you Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and so I was ignoring it ignoring it ignoring it and one day I just couldn't ignore it anymore and I tried to start off I tried to like keep my cool you know and I was like I whatever I tried to use some kind of like logical argument about like you know like oh because he was saying uh you know why did they wait so long to talk about like why did they wait so long and I was like well you know at the time that was not 
like there was no audience for that you would not be believed you would not your career would be ruined like it would just totally like backfire on you and uh he started being like uh something like if you had a cut why would you wait to go to the doctor and I'm like that's not that that's not the same thing and then he's started going off he started saying in the life of a female when she decides she doesn't like something which like I know where that's going you know Mm -hmm. where basically it's just like women are like oh I later on decided I wanted to get you so I'm going to like lie and say that you raped me um and I lost it I was like if you can't if you can't talk about how you like sympathize with rapists if or if you can't stop yourself from talking about how you like sympathize with rapists and and like are on the side of people who are rapists then at least don't talk about it in front of me mm-hmm. and like that was that like that was over he walked out and uh he you know i I decided that I wasn't going to take it to the owners. I was like, I'm just going to see what he does and that maybe he'll just stop and then that will be the end of it. Mm-hmm. He took it to them. He went to the people who own the space. Oh, by the way, Sin Wonder is the name of the business. <laughs> uh, they build themselves as like a feminist space and mm-hmm. a safe space. And that's like part of their whole thing. Okay. Um, and uh, they, I was called in for a disciplinary meeting like a couple days later where they told me that, you know, they, okay, they started it off by saying that in that one of the owner's sister is an activist and she was just in France and in France, you can't be they, you have to choose male or female, which is the way that they started off this disciplinary meeting. Um, which, like, I never really disclosed my trans status to them. They just knew that I, like, used those pronouns from hearing other people use them for me. And uh, so, I mean, for me, that's just, like, the impulse of people to kind of, like, tokenize your own community's, like, suffering and then sell it back to you as, like, social capital, Yeah, which happens all the time. Um, but in that instance, I was like, uh, you're in charge of me. But really, I was just shocked and horrified and started crying immediately because I was like, this is the worst. This is so deeply uncomfortable. They had this meeting with me where they told me that I was creating a hostile work environment and that I needed to, like, calm down, essentially, and that, uh, I didn't seem happy there and, uh... Oh, they kept repeatedly saying we're not the oppressors, which is, like, never good. If you find yourself repeatedly saying I'm not an oppressor, like, maybe take a good hard look in the mirror. Um, And I'm crying and I'm I'm just trying to get out of this room because it's just a room with me and these two people. And they're not, they never ask me once what had happened or what I thought, you know, they never asked me and they never directly said what it was about. And, uh, that was it. And then a week later they called me in again and said that I had been acting extremely inappropriately towards them, Mm -hmm. which like, you know, 
we don't really know each other, but like face value, like I wasn't. <laughs> like maybe I was like not quite as friendly as I had been before, but I wasn't doing anything that could be like construed as like inappropriate or like not acceptable, like workplace behavior. And um, they fired me. Um, and so, yeah, I lost that job, <laughs> um, which is how that was what the place that I was before this, which now I'm in a whole other shit show situation, which is like this place in Brooklyn, which formerly is supposed to be like essentially like a cafe that's a safe space for queer people, a safe space for black people, a safe space for people of color and like trans people. And is kind of in the process of becoming not that, <laughs> I'll just say. Um, and also doesn't pay its workers minimum wage. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, that's the service world. But I've, again, I've met so many incredible people through it. And also it's a way for me to survive. Yeah. You know, so that's that's what that is. Um, I guess I'm interested now in maybe talking a bit how you mentioned um, that you know Elroy Red. Oh yeah, I do know Red. How I, that came about. I, I love Red. <laughs> <laughs> She's one of my favorite people. I actually met her at the place that I'm working at now. Oh, nice. Um, and I like... I think, like, maybe the second or third time we were working together, we were, like, maybe, like, listening to SZA and, like, kind of, like, grinding on, like, a little bit behind the counter. And she turned to me and she was like, can you believe that we didn't work together before? Like, can you believe that we didn't know each other? And I was like, no. <laughs> um, so we met. I mean, it's just one of those, like, you know, when you just, you, like, meet another trans person and it's just a love connection mm. and you're just like I love you <laughs> um which is you know such a great feeling um and so yeah so we work together and we very quickly were like let's also do things that are not just us working together let's like spend time together um and yeah so we do and she's very inspiring to me <laughs> Um, so what did those things outside of work entail? Uh, honestly, we mostly would just decompress together um, because, again, the place that we're in is a very stressful environment and especially became an incredibly stressful environment for her. Okay. Um, and so we would either kind of just, like, <laughs> like, hang out in the park and, like, be sad until we weren't or, mm. like... Um, uh, we, you know, like, go out, get a drink, <laughs> um, stuff like that. It's still, it hasn't been very, I've only, we've only known each other for, like, three or four months. Oh, wow. And we're both kind of in these, like, weird, like, transitory periods. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we, I think, on several occasions have gone to Happy Fun Hideaway together. Mm. Um, which is a queer bar in Bushwick. Um, and yeah, I've gone to, let's see, last time I saw her, 
I saw her on her birthday, which was on <laughs> Monday. Um, but before that, we were together at um. There was a. You all were there. The Trans Era History Project was yeah. there at uh the center. Yeah. The Manhattan location of the center. It was like uh, kind of like a get together before the Trans Day of Action. Mm-hmm. And um, I kept calling it the trans job fair. <laughs> <laughs> it was so nice. I had such a really amazing time. And my friend Charlie was there. My friend Charlie and our friend Dante, who just moved to New York. It's just always, like, so much, so, such a good feeling to, like, go to trans spaces and just be seeing the people that you know and the places. Like, Apache was there. I go to, I go to Apache. Mm. And um, Apache had some people there, which Apache is, um, should I, is that like, is goofy to be like, Apache is the, <laughs> Apache is like the, so there's Cal and Lord, which is like the, like, tra- you know, like the NYC, like, um, community, like, uh, LGBTQ, like, plus, um, kind of like trans and HIV centered uh, health organization. And I had initially thought that I would go there, but it's kind of a little bit overloaded. Understandably, they have a, a large amount of patients and things that they're doing. So Apache is kind of like the, it's like the other one. <laughs> it's smaller. Uh, it's in Chinatown. And uh, I think they ju- actually did just open up a Brooklyn location, maybe. Um but yes, that is that is where I go for my doctor, general and trans related mm-hmm. healthcare, um, and uh, oh, Red at the center. She performed her po- two poems. One I remember was titled "T for T." I don't remember what the other one was, but it was really fantastic. And we all ate food that was made by Charlie. Mm-hmm. And made, like, banners and signs. I made this giant flag. <laughs> it's really great. And then we all, like, went to the march, to the, like, uh, rally location together and then marched. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, like, having Elroy Red, having Charlie, like, besides, like, Red, how did you kind of encounter this? Was this also in the service industry, or just kind of, like, all yeah, shoots? Yeah, all shoots. I, one of my best, best friends, who was with me at the, <laughs> who I'm trying to get them to do an interview, and they are, like, if I hear my voice, my soul will exit my body. <laughs> yeah. I'm chipping away. Yeah, yeah. I'm chipping away. I'm, like, cool, me too, I'm never gonna listen to this. Please know that if you are listening to this, I have never listened to this. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that friend is somebody that I went to school with, actually, and we were friends before either of us were out. And But now we kind of have this, like, really incredible, like, co-supportive relationship where we're both just, like, supporting each other through our transitions. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're at different stages, but it's just, it's a very, it's, like, one of the healthiest adult relationships I have. And I treasure that. And then, um... I, uh, oh, my little sister is trans. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a little bit. So she she lives in Ohio at the moment. She goes to Oberlin, so we don't see each other very often. But, um, and, uh, yeah, just, like, through service, through friends, I, uh, 
my partner is in this band uh, that's like a New York-based band that is very much a part of the queer scene. Mm -hmm. And so, like, those are my dads. (laughs) (laughs) Like, those three people are people that I, like you know, they're, they're part of the chosen family. Like they're my, they're my family. And so I've like just made a ton of friends through that. And, um, yeah, just through places I'm at in my life, service, like school, uh, other friends. And then also, you know, like if you kind of like, um, just, spending time in like trans spaces and queer spaces and then you see the same people and you're like let's exchange information (laughs) like you know like let's like do stuff um and you know see that and I feel like that as as I'm like getting older is becoming more and more kind of like where I'm finding like many people where I'm finding support (laughs) where I'm finding friends um so which queer and trans spaces in particular do you tend to frequent? Um, I, okay, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> right now I'm like, I feel like I'm like, I'm like following y'all, like you're like a <laughs> band. <laughs> I'm like following your tour. It's <laughs> like, hi again. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, I love your organization. <laughs> I'm excited to like do stuff um with you um bars mm-hmm. friends houses um i think probably like the most like official trans spaces that i'm a part of are like activist spaces mm-hmm. like just being at rallies showing up at events and mm-hmm. then also like being at the center for things and like you know like oh there's gonna be like this panel or there's gonna be like um this like organizing meeting um and just seeing people there like you do really just see everyone everyone's there yeah (laughs) um so there's that but other than that socially it's really like parties people's houses bars what have you bedrooms (laughs) (laughs) um yeah okay um you mentioned activism. Would you want to talk about that a bit more? Yeah, sure. I'm I'm not really an organizer of activism. <laughs> kind of like my current role is like just kind of centered around showing up. Yeah. Um and like not just showing up for like my community, but like also showing up for like all of the communities <laughs> that are like, you know, facing like oppression and facing um like you know state instituted oppression and and um so yeah so really i like show up i try to like let also know the people that are my life you know that like i'm there for you and not in just like a like i'm there for you like call like i'll do whatever you need (laughs) um um so yeah so for me it's it's like adding my voice, adding my body, just, like, adding my, like, whatever I have to give, mm-hmm. adding my money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that, like, donating money, like, makes you a good person, <laughs> but, like, I try to very consciously, like, know 
the organiz like for every issue like no three organizations that not only can I contribute to but that also if somebody's like oh isn't it horrible such and such thing I'm like yes well if you could please donate to care like (laughs) um you know so like just like and also like being like educating myself doing the work to educate myself I think a big thing that like a, a big feeling that I have is that people often like demand to be educated on the spot with the labor of people who are in like marginalized groups <laughs> and that like everything that you could hear from that person and more is available to you by folks who have put their voices out there already mm-hmm. and that you can wow you can do the work and find those voices and educate yourself so weird (laughs) um and that uh so that's something that's very important to me is educating myself and then also like educating others except that i cut myself a break in all trans related issues because that's like a a, like emotional well-being mental health yeah dichotomy (laughs) of course um yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, is there anything else you'd like to add or anything that we may be not have covered that you're like, I want to get this in? Not really. That was like pretty blanket. <laughs> Just like hit a lot of topics. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, there's nothing that I'm like dying to tell <laughs> you. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, well... Um, I guess one last question, okay. just to have like a forward-facing end to the interview is like, what are you excited about in your life right now? I'm or... excited for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm at a, a place where I like finally feel comfortable with myself, mm-hmm. and like, you know, I finally have an idea of what I want to do like, in, ter- in a lot of ways in terms of, like, transition. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting to me because I guess I guess I really am talking about, like, transition, which yeah. is, like, I feel like I'm in a place where I'm finally going to let myself have that. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like I'm not... I finally, like, shed some layer of fear that I've always carried with me. Mm-hmm. Um, of oh you know what there is one thing which is that I kind of, I I kind of have this thought that a lot of what I've tried to overcome and just like becoming like my authentic self and like loving myself and being proud of myself is like this fear of not being enough mm. and I'm sure that that's like a very human fear but I've also encountered that it's a very trans fear. Mm. And I'm not sure if it's because people are like, because there's not a place for us, you know, like that we're afraid or we think that we're not enough, like we're not enough to have that place or to take that place or to have that space. And so I'm, I'm excited to like feel like, you know, I might not ever completely overcome that, but to feel like I'm working on it in myself and also working on it in my own community. 
Um, so that is something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me. Yes, thank <laughs> you. Thank you so much for doing this. And bye.